0: Thanks for tuning in to our Cypress Church podcast. To learn more about our church, visit our website at cypresschurch.net and join us for our Sunday morning services at 9 and 11 a.m. Subscribe on iTunes for more.
1: It helps if I have my microphone on. And I'm sorry, I don't know how Mr. Rogers does it with a sweater, but I cannot. I'm dying already up here. But I am glad that you made it. My name is Mike, one of the pastors here, and uh, so glad that you could join us today uh, as we uh, continue our series, A Beautiful Church in the Neighborhood, uh, looking at Jesus' teaching to love our neighbors. Mr. Rogers was all about being a good neighbor in an online magazine uh, called greater good magazine, giving uh, science based insights for meaning for a meaningful life actually coming out of UC Berkeley. This in the article entitled seven lessons from Mr. Rogers that can help Americans be neighbors. Again says this about Fred McFeely Rogers, uh, Fred took seriously the scriptural mandate to care and for the most vulnerable. He worked with prisons to create child-friendly spaces for family visitation. He sat on hospital boards to minimize trauma in children's health care. Not only that, Mr. Rogers visited people who were sick and dying and wrote countless letters to the lonely. See, Mr. Rogers made space to engage uh, we see the impact of that nearly 16 years after his death. <laughs> there is a documentary last year about him. There's a movie this year with Tom Hanks about him. And uh, that even some place like UC Berkeley would have a place that would write about him. The, the article actually goes on to quote the biblical story of the Good Samaritan. and actually equates Mr. Rogers with the Good Samaritan. It says this. When Mr. Rogers calls us neighbors, when he hosted us in his own neighborhood over 30 years, he was calling us gently, but firmly out of our structures of power and our silos of sameness into lives of mercy and care for one another. It was a call to make time to engage others. Honestly, uh, though Mr. Rogers' show was a a bit hokey, (laughs) and actually those puppets kind of creeped me out. Uh, And of course there was his awkward pauses as he was talking to people that he would be interacting with on the show and and even to his uh, studio audience, his listening audience. I actually watched those shows and I felt important that he was making time for me. I felt included, and I also felt noticed that someone was interested in me, even though it was through the television screen. And yes, I actually saw them in color, so I'm not that old. But for me, in a a survival childhood of arguing parents, feeling like an extra or not that valued, the Mr. Rogers Neighborhood Show uh, and his time meant something to me. Uh, people mattered to him, and people were his business. We, we talked about that last week as we gathered together, that God's plan for us and Jesus' example is that people are our business, that, 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 that we are to engage our world, to interact, to be involved, to be inclusive, to answer that haunting question, would we be missed, out of our neighborhood if we moved out today? Hopefully the answer is yes, because we've been engaged. We've spent time. We've made time. And the same with our church. Would our church be missed if we were to move out of this city? And hopefully the answer would be yes, because we have chose to engage. We've chose to include and and to, to be involved and to interact. So the question arises then, how do we be engaged in our busy lives. We have family, we have friends, we have work, we have school, uh, we're serving at a church, at a school, we're, we're, we're seeking to, to, to get to know our neighbors. How do we make time to engage? Our church has a clear vision statement that we endeavor to live and love like Jesus as we compassionately relate to our community and beyond so all will thrive as fully functioning followers of Christ. There are two words that are very time-consuming, the word endeavor and the word to relate. The word endeavor means to make the effort to or to work at it. And as well, relationships take time and energy and effort. And the older we get, the more time and energy and effort it takes. Because see, when we're younger... Those times are kind of made for us, and we just walk in them. But as we get older, it takes time. It takes the making of space to develop relationships. And yet in in Luke chapter 10, verse 25 to 37, that famous story of the Good Samaritan, a businessman somehow creates space, creates space on the spur of the moment to love his neighbor so, I'd like for this morning for us to take a, a deeper dive into the story Jesus told, giving us four choices to make time to engage others. For to endeavor to live and love like Jesus takes space space as individuals and space as a church. So, we can be this beautiful church in the neighborhood that God wants us to be. And so, before we do that, if you wouldn't mind sitting aside your Bibles and papers and stand up for a minute. And let's pray and ask God to to do something, because I believe he's got something for you this morning, and so let's pray to that glorious reality. Father God, thanks for the opportunity to us to gather together and to be challenged from your word, this very familiar story of the Good Samaritan, Lord, I pray that as we look at it through a different angle, God, that you would challenge us even individually with our own time and investing into others and, and even as a church. And so bless this moment, Lord, Holy Spirit, do your work in our lives and and as we look at what Jesus taught, Lord, may we be uh, challenged and motivated. So use this time, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Have a seat and take out of your worship folder that Rose uh, made a little bit of mention of about there. there's a card in there, and we really do value your prayer requests, so please fill that up, or you maybe have the answer to prayer you want to let us know. And if it's of a confidential nature, in other words, it only goes to our pastors and our prayer team, or excuse me, our pastors and our elders only. Other than that, they go all over the world to the prayer teams that we have and do that, so, but, uh, if you want to fill it out, and then take out the outline that's there, some other things you can read, and we'll tell you about later, but on that, there's some blanks to fill in, the answers will be up on the screen, if you have our app, uh, you can just go right to that, and you can start filling out, and typing in words there, and if you press the button, the, the blanks will fill in automatically, <laughs> uh, but if you want to get those answers, and, and really some further study, if you go out these double doors after the end of the service, turn left, there's an information, a resource center table there, there's an, uh, a stack of, uh, uh, study guides there that will help many of our life groups use those as our life groups in that. But uh, go ahead and so take your Bibles and open up to, to Luke chapter 10. If you don't have a Bible, our amazing ushers are walking down the aisle. They have a stack of, of Bibles in their hands. If you want to borrow one, just wave at them and they'd be happy to give you a loaner for that as we walk through these four choices to make time to engage others. The first of these choices uh, is to reset life to Jesus's way to reset life to Jesus' way. So let's uh, open that. Open your Bibles to Luke chapter ten. Luke is found in the New Testament: Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. So you can see where they're at there. Uh, turn to Luke chapter ten. Let me, the first point deals with verses twenty-five to twenty-eight. We're to to set and or reset life Jesus' way. It says, and behold. A lawyer stood up now, when it says lawyer, it doesn't necessarily mean like a lawyer today, an ambulance chaser or whatever you want to call those something, but sorry, I probably shouldn't have said that. If you're a lawyer, I'm sorry uh, but uh, I was just thinking about five different lawyer jokes, and I just I'm refraining myself so but a lawyer at that point was someone who was adept at the law of God. They had uh, understood what God's law was, they had most likely memorized. The first five books of the Bible, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Deuteronomy, and, and, and uh, um, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Deuteronomy, and, numbers. thank you. And numbers. And uh, I'm having a hard time right now. I just <laughs> work brain. But they had memorized that. They knew the law of God. They knew what it said and what it meant. And they spent time talking about that. And so this lawyer stands up to put him, that's Jesus, to the test, saying, teacher, What shall we do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus says this to him. What is written in the law? How do you read it? Love how Jesus answers a question with a question. And the lawyer answered, you shall love the Lord your God with all of your heart and with all of your soul and with all of your strength, with all of your mind and your neighbor as yourself. Jesus said to him, you have answered correctly. Do this and you will live. The lawyer was quoting, first of all, Deuteronomy 6, 5, which is a familiar passage to most every Jewish person. It's called the Shema, hero Israel, the Lord your God is one, and you shall love the Lord your God with your heart, mind, body, and soul. But he also quoted Leviticus chapter 19, verse 18, which says to love your neighbor. And he was actually doing this to, to seek to devalue Jesus' teaching and Jesus' way of life. For the religious leaders at that time had made faith more about them than about God. If you want a place to go to read that and to see how Jesus exposes them, write down somewhere in your notes, Matthew chapter 23. Uh, read the whole chapter. But as you do that, but be careful because you're going to read things and it's just like a mirror is showing up to you and me because we can be a lot like that. We can make faith more about us than about God. But Jesus exposes that in that, that passage. But, but the question comes up, do we see faith more about us than god one question that helps us understand this is what is our ultimate authority in life is it god or is it ourselves what about our time and our money you're probably thinking great i came to the right sermon now I was going to talk about my time and my money, the two things I hold most valuable. <laughs> but whose are they? Are they ours to do what we please, or are they God's that we are given to manage? With our money and resources, God's fairly clear. Psalm 24, verse 1, The earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. The earth is the Lord's and everything in it, and the world and those who dwell therein. This earth, this world is all God's. The house you live in is God's. The the, uh, car you drive is God's. The kids that you have are God's. And you're probably saying, yeah, God, you just take them. Uh, The paycheck you receive that you worked hard for, it's God's. It's all God's. And God asks us to manage it well. And when it comes to the resources, the finances, the money that we have, it's God's. And he says for us to give regularly. Malachi chapter 3, verses 10 and 11. Bring the whole tithe to the storehouse. We're to give a portion of what we receive. And not only that, we're to be generous. Acts chapter 20, verse 35. It is Jesus said it's more blessed to give than to receive. That we should be generous with what we've been given by God. And with our time, Ephesians 5, 15 through 17 says this way. Look carefully then how you walk, how you live, not as unwise, but as wise, making the best use of the time because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. In other words, that life should be in according to the will of the Lord, not foolishly on our own desires, because it's God's will that should be our guide and best use of our time. Now, with with time, with it's different than money because some people are given more or less. You know, we have we have by the hand of God, we have we don't have by the hand of God as well. But with time, we've in been each given the same amount. We've each have been given twenty four hours. Now, I know you probably think that other people have been given more because they seem to get more done. They have the same amount of time as you do. We each have the same amount because there is always enough time to do God's will. And I like to add for our day to day. There's always enough time to do God's will for our day each day. And part of the will of God is to love our neighbors. So there is time when we reset set our life, Jesus's way to love our neighbors. Yet it takes effort and sacrifice and it will be difficult and uncomfortable and stretching. And yet fulfilling and, and life giving and, and and satisfying. So how then do we reset life Jesus' way? One obvious one is is to do what Jesus says, to listen and to act upon Jesus' teaching, like the like the one here. That that says to to show mercy to others in need. But also we should listen and work at application when God teaches us through the word at any point. The Holy Spirit will, will guide us when we have come to faith in Jesus, made that understanding that we're sinful and need a savior and as Jesus. We come to believe in that and place our trust in, in God alone for our salvation and for our life pathway. When we make that decision, the Holy Spirit comes as a, as a, as a guide for us and a coach for us. And he will provide tests and trials and opportunities so we learn. And it happens to us all the time. You think it's a coincidence. No, it's a test or a trial or a happening that God has orchestrated. Christy and I were out walking um, just out, uh, last Sunday evening. And uh, we're walking over here by the shopping center. We live just in this area over here. And uh, we're walking, do a little walk and go in front of Stater Brothers. And, and as we're walking by... Um, a person walked kind of by us and i know him and some of you know him too he stands out on some of these street corners and he's talking waving his arms and he's saying something to somebody out there we're not sure who it is well his name is richard and i've met him before and and we've, we've chatted back and forth and 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 when you get in a conversation with richard you may be there for a while so it's a little bit of a risk to kind of engage and he was walking this, you know, towards us, and he didn't really even see us. He was his own little world. His mind was going 100 miles an hour, and he was he's a very brilliant man. And, and, and he was walking by there, and I just thought, you know, it's not a coincidence that Richard's walking by me right now. So I stuck out my hand and said, hi, Richard. And he kind of, you know, gathered himself for a second. He goes, oh, pastor. And then he launched off in a little bit of a conversation monologue-ish. And and. We were we were doing great, and, and then he. I said if we had to go, and he left, and and it went. And I was talking to Christy as we were walking by. I said, I wonder why God had Richard interact with us. And I, I don't know exactly. Maybe it's for this illustration here. But it happened again on Tuesday when I went to get a car wash down here at the car wash in, in uh, uh, Ball and Cerritos, and or excuse me, uh, Cerritos in Valley View. And uh, I was I turn my car in and went to walk in to go pay and i had some emails to answer and i wanted to read this chapter in this book and 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 there's richard sitting there right in front of the door so i'm going god you are so hilarious so i said he's and he's not paying attention to me i could easily slip by he's on his phone so i stopped and said, hey richard he goes, Pastor Mike, how are you? And we launched into this amazing conversation about God and and, and, and his own faith and where he's at in his journey and all kinds. It was an incredible conversation. And uh, and you know, I didn't get any emails down, they didn't get the chapter read, but but it was a great conversation and it was a, a divine happening. Because God does stuff like that. Because when we are aligned, when we align life his way. Nothing is a coincidence. It's a divine appointment. And I actually pray for Richard whenever I see him, and so no wonder God had us connect. But it's also knowing that Jesus' teachings and understanding them and what the Bible says. What does the Bible say about giving? What does the Bible say about helping others? What, what, what does the Bible say about, about how we should view ourselves and, and serving and, and our thinking? It's all in there. This is an incredible book that God has put together. And a lot of the words of Christ and his teachings are right in there. And he wants us to dump in. I love how Matthew 7 verses 7 to 8 puts it this way. Ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and it will be open to you. For everyone who asks, receives, and the one who seeks, finds, and the one who knocks, it will be opened. It's not like we just sit there and kind of go, okay, God, hit me with something. Where is it? It's in the book. It's right there, so you need to ask. That's an effort we need to make. We need to seek That's something that we do. We need to knock. We need to delve into the word. We wonder why we don't grow in faith. It's because we won't spend time in the book. If we want to have Christ in that central place to align life and to reset life to him, you got to know what he teaches. So ask and keep reading with the intent to learn life skills. Yes, to get answers, but also to know how God wants us to live. It was, I, right now, my daily reading plan is to, to read through the book of Proverbs. And I pick a chapter and, and start reading through it. And when a verse pops out, I kind of go off on that for a while. And and I, I was being challenged about my interaction with others. And, and Proverbs 25, 11 came up a word aptly spoken is is like a beautiful piece of jewelry. It, it's pleasant and, and and brings a smile and, and it was a challenge to be affirming to others. And I thought, you know, I need to do a little bit more of that because that's you can gain life skills from God's book, God's book, God's word. And, and see, to endeavor to live in love like Jesus takes space. Space to put Jesus first, to, to know of his teachings and reset our lives his way. The, the question comes, will we? What, what's in the way? And maybe it's actually time to live life Jesus' way. The Holy Spirit is going to guide you. And at times he uses others, so do get help. We all need it. Another choice to make time to engage others is to be present. Let's go back to the story of the Good Samaritan, and now verse 29 to 33. But he, that's the lawyer desiring to justify himself, said to Jesus, who is my neighbor? Jesus replied, and here's the story, the story of the good Samaritan. A man was going down from, Jericho to, from Jerusalem to Jericho. He fell among robbers who stripped him, beat him, and departed, leaving him half dead. Now by chance, a priest was going down the road, and when he saw him, he passed by on the other side. And so likewise, a Levite, when he came to the place And saw him. He passed by the other side. But a Samaritan. As he journeyed. Came to where he was. And when he saw him. He had compassion. Why did the priest. And the Levite. Avoid the guy in trouble. Why did they not see. This as a divine appointment. Maybe they had a. A lot to do for worship that day, and, and just did not have the time. Maybe they were more learning, and this was their education time, and so they feel like I really need to dump my head into this. I don't have time for this, or or maybe their supervisor was all up in their yamaka with the, uh, the just, and, and they were distracted, or or maybe they were too concerned that this would not fit their inflated image of their high position. We don't know, but what we do know is they willfully chose not to be present in the moment to help this poor guy and not to follow God's law, which is very specific about loving our neighbors. However, a Samaritan, though on a journey, most likely for business because you did not travel that road from Jerusalem to Jericho without having to go down that road it wasn't a place for pleasure because of the how dangerous it was but he was present this samaritan with 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 open eyes aware attentive eyes i, I was um taking my daughter jessica out to lunch she is a uh, was at that point a, a nurse for the county of orange and her um, job was the homeless people of Orange County. She would go into parks and, 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 and uh, uh, shelters and attend to their uh, medical needs. And we're driving, we're coming off the freeway and on an on-ramp and all of a sudden she yells out, Dad, stop, pull over, I'm on an on-ramp. And there's K rails up. There's there's no way to pull over. Dad, you gotta pull over, you gotta pull over. And I'm going, what? Jess, what? What's what's going on? And she goes, There's a homeless woman over there. And 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 she looks like she's about ready to give birth to a baby, and I've got to go help her. I'm looking around. Where is this person? And how in the world did you see her? Well, she ducked under a fence and went a long way. And so Jessica couldn't help her at the time. And I don't know, I think she might have called someone and turned it in or something like that. But but uh I was saying, I mean, I'm a pretty aware driver. I see things around me, but I had no idea that she was even there. But Jessica saw her, and she was compelled to do something. And I think of how many times I walk around my day and don't see. And even if I do see, I'm not compelled to do anything because I'm just I got too much going on in my mind. I'm just too busy. Sometimes I I don't see because I'm busy. And the truth is I love to be busy. It's fun for me. And all through my life I need to learn and relearn to be present. I had a mentor tell me one time, "Wherever you are, be all there." To be present. Matthew six thirty-four puts it this way, therefore do not be anxious about tomorrow, for tomorrow will be anxious for itself. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. The, the living Bible puts it this way don't be anxious for tomorrow, for tomorrow will care for itself. Live each day one day at a time. And so be present and, and engage the moment. In light of Jesus' teaching, to be the light of life, as Matthew five, fourteen uh, through around sixteen says that we're to let our good work shine to be this light of life. We are to help people, to to, to be like Jesus, to engage with people. Maybe it's just a smile across a room or to have some kind of conversation or to serve in some way. It's a mental choice to wherever we are to be all there. Not be so wrapped up in our phone or in things going on that we don't notice what's going on around us. Whether we're shopping or driving or just walking around in our neighborhood, God is going to put someone in your path. He does stuff like that. And see, to endeavor to live and love like Jesus is to, it, it takes space, space to be present. So, will you? Won't you please? Please, won't you make time to be a neighbor? Still another choice to make time to engage others is to be moved. Let me jump back up at verse 33 and uh, and read to verse 35. But a Samaritan, as he journeyed, came to where this beaten man was. And when he saw him, he had compassion. He, he went to him and bound up his wounds, poured on Oil and wine. He wasn't making salad dressing. It was medicinal. No chuckle. Come on. First service actually chuckled, just so you know. And you've had more coffee and more sugar and more donuts, so come on. Then he sat him on his own animal and brought him to an inn and took care of me. The next day he took out two denarii which is not a little amount of money he gave them to the innkeeper saying take care of him and whatever more you spend i will repay to you when i come back the the samaritan here was so present he was moved He, he let his heart be touched and compassion set in that dangerous word compassion like we learned last week compassion It is a word that lets feelings fuel actions where we are compelled, just like Jesus. Matthew 14, 14, Jesus sees the crowds and their plight and heals all the way into the night. Matthew 20, verse, verse 29 to 34, move with compassion. Jesus heals two blind men. and In Luke 19, verse 41 to 42, Jesus weeps for the city of Jerusalem and really all of humanity and compassion moved him to go to endure the cross. So what, what moves you? What is important to us is what moves us with compassion. Is your heart like Jesus's? You see, to endeavor to live and love like Jesus takes space. Space to be moved. To love Jesus enough to take on his heart for people. To, to listen to their stories. To be moved with compassion. Yes, wise. But have compassion. Won't you? Won't you please make time to be a neighbor? The fourth choice to make time to engage others is to do something. Verse thirty six of Luke ten Jesus turns to the lawyer and says, Which of these three do you think proved to be a neighbor to the man who fell among the robbers? The priest, the Levite, the Samaritan? The lawyer said to Jesus, the one who showed mercy. And Jesus said to him, You go and do likewise. The challenge is clear, to go and be merciful and do something. Merciful meaning that rousting of emotions for the afflictions of others. In the Old Testament, it is the word hesed, That descriptive word of God, of his loyal love that he has chosen to give us, that active love. It's also that loving kindness that holds back the wrath we deserve. For us, it is to act in kindness, to care, to think towards others in a loving way, the poor, the homeless, the hurting, the afflicted. Those people in our neighborhood, those people all around us, that God has placed around us that we might help. It's not just a feeling. It's both a feeling and an action. It does something. Kind of like this person. Check this out. Finally tonight, a holiday
0: tradition. Steve Hartman's rendition of a visit from, well, we don't really know. It's a secret. Here's Steve on the road. It was a few weeks before Christmas. When there arose such a clatter, the people of Pittsburgh must have thought something's the matter. But far from it. Now let's roll. Once again this year, the man in the red coat, who I know only as Secret Santa, is out doing random acts of kindness across America. We ready? Every year, with the help of his elves and local law enforcement, this anonymous wealthy businessman gives away about $100,000 worth of $100 bills to total strangers. That's it. Asking for nothing in return... Except Thank to spread the kindness. Thank you, sweetie. Give a hug. Tamika Green is a program coordinator at the YMCA. She said she wanted to use some of her money to help the kids in her after school program. And I promise, as soon as I get out of here, I'm gonna call my job and be like, guess what? Yeah, it's we'll put amazing. another couple hundred in there, because, oh. and I gotta quit talking to you, I'm running out of money. <laughs> All right, babe, <laughs> we love you. You're doing great, don't stop. <laughs> Thank you so much. See you, babe. Secret Santa has been doing this for about a decade, but he says he feels more needed now than ever. This year, the time is perfect for everybody to come together one random act of kindness at a time. Merry Christmas, baby. Is she a Christian? Who knows? i got to give you another hundred. A Muslim? Take that away. Who cares? All right. All he looks for are people who seem like they could use a little caring in their lives. Merry Christmas, baby. In other words, anyone. Kindness is the bridge between all people. Merry Christmas, baby. Kindness is the one thing that cuts through everything, regardless of your station in life. And really, that's what he's handing out here. Not the money. Money doesn't make people break down like this. These are the faces of people overwhelmed by something truly priceless. Come here, I want to talk to you a minute. Unless you doubt that, consider this encounter. This is for you. It's $100 from Secret Santa. Her name is Mildred Morris. I just came from chemo. You just came from chemo? I work every day, sir. Mildred has stage four breast cancer. She said a million dollars couldn't have turned her day around. And yet here she was. Thank you. Overjoyed. God bless you. God bless you, babe. I am happy. You've got to explain that to me. (laughs) And it's just amazing that there's so much compassion out here with all this other ugly stuff that's going on. Every year, people tell me they'd like to do this, but they just don't have the money. But now we know the only currency you need (laughs) is kindness. (laughs) Steve Hartman on the road in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. You You can hug him too. (laughs) And that's the CBS Evening News for tonight. For all of us at CBS News all around the world, I'm Scott Pelley. And I'll see you Sunday on 60
1: Minutes. You know, it, it's it's not the money. It's doing something. What, what, what could you do? Maybe it's making kits for the homeless and going with someone to hand them out. Maybe it's doing one more shoebox for the needy kids in Tijuana for our Project Joy. Maybe it's caring for that lonely widow or widower on your street. Maybe it's a short conversation with someone who looks alone, whether it's at work or at school or in a store. Let, let that, that compassion move you to do something. See, see to endeavor to live and love like Jesus takes space, space to do something. And the truth is, God has placed each one of us where we are so that we wouldn't just sit and feel, but so that we would actually do something. That's how we become a beautiful neighbor in our neighborhood. That's how we become a beautiful church in our neighborhood. So won't you please, won't you please take time to be a neighbor? Yes, Mr. Rogers made time for others just like the Good Samaritan. But how about you? To endeavor to live and love like Jesus takes space. Space to reset life Jesus' way, space to be present, space to be moved, space to do something. Let's be that true neighborhood church. Will you pray with me? Father God, I just think of all the people that even in our community, even on my street, that need your touch. And you've placed me there because you want me to reach out, to love my neighbors. As Lord Jesus, you have commanded, the second commandment, to love our neighbors as ourselves. Lord, may we make time, take time, to do that. Challenge us even in these moments, we pray, in Jesus' name.